Father, in the potter's hands, you fix us, Father. You mold us into who you want us to be, Lord. As words of this song, Father, teach us to serve as you please, Father. In all areas of life, not just here at church, Father, but in our homes, with our families, in our work. The mission field is not just tied to here, overseas, Father. It's every aspect of what we do. Teach us to listen to you, Father, for your still small voice to teach us, to lead us, to direct us. We know that you're alive. Lord, you are not dead. You are risen. Thank you, Father. In your holy and precious name, amen. Good morning. You guys can have a seat. So excited to be here with you today. There's something about when the church gets together, uh, we, get to, we get to do this every week. And that is an awesome thing, um, that we get to come together and be together and encourage one another and challenge one another. And so I am so excited to be able to spend some time together with you this morning. I'm Ben, in case uh, we haven't met yet. And uh, I, uh, I'm an associate pastor here at Highland Hills. And um, so this is the third week, the third and final week of our Pathway series. Uh, the first week you heard Pastor Russ talk about knowing God personally and being baptized. Last week uh, we talked about uh, joining the church and, and joining a life group. Well, today we're going to wrap up this series by talking about steps five and six of the pathway. See, uh, I think there's sometimes this, this thing that where maybe we might forget, you know, and, and it's understandable, you know. Uh, there's some things about knowing God personally, being baptized, joining a church, all of that, where, where we can sometimes think of this as an afterthought. It's a, sometimes an afterthought in the mind of a churchgoer. And while they are preceded by steps one through four, I want us to see here today that, that these steps, they carry um, the utmost importance, and they should be carried out with a great sense of urgency in the world. Today, we're talking about serving others and sharing Jesus with others. And so, if you have your Bibles uh, with you today, please turn with me to Luke chapter 12, uh, Luke 12 is where we're going to be kind of living today. Uh, whether you're here in person or, or joining us on Facebook Live, so glad that you guys are here. You can follow along uh, via the YouVersion Bible app. If you have that, just go to the Events tab and look us up. But we're going to be going to the Gospel of Luke, uh, chapter 12, beginning in verse 13. Okay? And here is what the word of the Lord says. Someone in the crowd said to him, Teacher, Tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. Jesus replied, Man, who appointed me a judge or an arbiter between you? Then he said to them, Watch out. Be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Life does not consist in an abundance of possessions. And he told them this parable. The ground of a certain rich man yielded an abundant harvest. He thought to himself, what shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. Then he said, this is what I'll do. I will tear down my barns and build bigger ones. 
And there I will store my surplus grain. And I'll say to myself, you have plenty of grain laid up for many years. Take life easy. Eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, you fool. This very night, your life will be demanded from you. Then you will get what you have prepared for yourself. Sorry, then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? This is how it will be with whoever stores up things for themselves, but is not rich toward God. Let's pray together. God, I I thank you for today. I thank you that we get to be in your word. God, I pray that you would make it clear to us how we are to respond. Help us to apply this to our lives. God, I pray that, that you would speak through me today, that my words would be your words. And And so, God, I pray for our time together. Holy Spirit, we invite you. We invite you to meet us here as we know that you are in our midst today. Thank you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So Jesus is teaching, uh, he's teaching a crowd, it says. It's disciples plus others. It's a crowd. And a man emerges, and he says, teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. Now, we know that this brother here, the, the, the man who is doing the speaking, is not the older brother, okay? We know he is clearly the younger brother, and we know that because had he been the older brother, he himself would have the inheritance. Some of you are sitting out there going, typical younger brother. What is up with that? Always wanting to cut. But, but that's the case, right? Teacher tell him to divide the inheritance. And, and, and so it's, it's funny that, that Jesus kind of is like, man, who made me the judge, your arbiter for you too, whatever. But then he turns to the crowd and gives this greater response. This response that says, watch out. Be on guard against all kinds of greed. Life doesn't consist in just possessions, in an abundance of possessions. He's essentially saying, this man is greedy towards money, but that ain't the only kind of greed. There's more greed, and you need to guard against all of it. But life is more than those who have and those who have not. And so Jesus shares a parable. We understand that parables are fictional stories, not real people, but that parables are used by Jesus to communicate a very real truth. And so he shares this parable that has been dubbed as the parable of the rich fool. It says, a man has been blessed with more crops than he knows what to do with. Now, I know many of us aren't farmers. Uh, I did not harvest my crop yet this year. I'm not going to be harvesting any crop this year. But let's, let's talk about it in real terms, okay? A man is blessed with $760 million. He won the Powerball. A man receives a promotion at work. A woman receives her bonus, that big bonus she was waiting on. 
Either way, somebody has been blessed with more than they know what to do with. And so he thinks about it. person thinks about it. And says, I know what to do. I just need bigger barns. Bigger house. Bigger. 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 He says, then I'll have a nice savings, a little nest egg that I can uh, enjoy life with. For years to come, I will be able to take it easy. Sit back and relax. Eat, drink, and be merry, it says. And so we see God's response to that. You fool. Tonight, you're going to lose your life. And when that happens, what will happen? When that happens, who's going to get the happy little life that you prepared for yourself? Jesus says this is what's, what it's going to be like. This is how it will be with whoever stores up things for themselves, but is not right towards God. Now, I know this passage is normally used to talk about money or um, material possessions, um, and rightfully so. There is a direct correlation there. There's a direct connection to uh, the materialistic uh, men and women of our day. However, if we look at this passage, we don't see any mention of money. You didn't read money when you read it. In fact, the only place where possessions is actually mentioned is in verse 15, where life does not consist in an abundance of possessions. Perhaps this parable is about something much greater, and I think it is. It's about the heart and the attitude behind it. What is behind the action? See, the first thing I want us to see here today is that serving and sharing Jesus with others is about fruit. It's about fruit. See, during this series, we, we've talked about knowing God personally. We've talked about being baptized. We've talked about joining the church. We've talked about joining a life group. And although you can make the case that these benefit others in some way, for the most part, boiled down to its simplest form, these benefit me. They benefit you, personally. These steps are about us. They're about me being saved, me being baptized, me joining the church, me joining a life group. And like I said, we could say that those things would benefit others. We could say that, that that will definitely benefit others directly. But see, if I chose to never be baptized, that really doesn't affect other people negatively. It affects me. I'm the one who's being disobedient. And whether I join a life group or not, again, that doesn't really affect you. I don't think you guys really care if I join a life group or not. But that will affect me. I'm the one who misses out. However, 
However, everything that happens after that, that affects others. What happens after I get saved should have an effect on others. What happens after I get baptized and after I join the church should benefit others. What happens after I join a life group should be evident to those who are closest to me. And that is why serving and sharing Jesus is, about, is a fruit issue. See, I call it a fruit issue because Jesus talks in Luke 6 about a tree and its fruit. Here's what he says. He says, no good tree bears bad fruit, nor does a bad tree bear good fruit. Each tree is recognized by its own fruit. People do not pick figs from thorn bushes or grapes from briars. A good man brings good things out of the good stored up in his heart, and an evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in his heart. For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. How do we know that you're a servant of God if you don't serve? You don't share Jesus with others? How do we know that your life has actually been changed by Christ? You and I will do on the outside what is on the inside. See, serving others doesn't save us. Sharing Jesus with others doesn't save us either. But it's the evidence of salvation. You can't give something you don't have. Don't believe me? Try flying an airplane. Anybody fly recently? Anybody? Yeah? Great. Great. Uh, I would imagine at some point, okay, before your plane took off, there was a, uh, maybe a video or maybe a, uh, a man or a woman standing in front saying something about an oxygen mask. It's true. Remember to secure your oxygen mask before you help others. Why? Because if you don't have oxygen, you can't. And so that's why serving and sharing Jesus with others, they're not steps one and two. That, that's why they're not steps one and two of the pathway. You can't serve your way into heaven. You can't just talk your way into it. And you certainly can't serve with the love of God or tell others about the goodness of God if you haven't personally experienced it yourself. You can't give something you don't have. An orange tree can be, cannot bear apples. As hard as it may try, an orange tree will bear oranges every time. And if we believe what Jesus says, and I certainly hope that we do, then I have a hunch, I have a hunch that we don't have Jesus on our tongues because we don't have Jesus in our hearts. Perhaps we don't have Jesus on our tongues because we don't have Jesus in our hearts. See, serving and sharing Jesus is a fruit issue. It's a fruit issue. It's a natural byproduct. The second thing I want us to see is this. Serving others and sharing Jesus with others is about stewardship. It's about stewardship. See, about a month ago, we talked in our, our student ministry about the blessed life. 
You don't have to look too far on social media before you see hashtag blessed, right? Everybody's blessed, right? Everybody wants to talk about how blessed they are. And as we talked about what it means to be blessed and examined the blessed life in Scripture, we not only did we notice a different operating definition found in Scripture than perhaps is used by the American populace, but we also found that those who are truly blessed seek to bless others. We are blessed to be a blessing, not to hoard up blessings. The rich fool that Jesus talked about, he didn't even think. It was, serving and sharing was not even in his vocabulary here. He believed that his life was about him. He believed that he was an autonomous person making autonomous decisions about his own well-being without ever considering the well-being of others. He didn't consider where his life came from, what the purpose of his life was, or from whom all blessings flow. He's got to build bigger barns. You are blessed to be a blessing. I am blessed to be a blessing. And side note, when you bless others, they will know that you've been blessed. They don't have to see the size of your barns. See, God has blessed you with gifts and talents, abilities to be used for the benefit of others and for the glory of the Lord. God has blessed each of us. Why would we waste it on ourselves? Why? Why would I say it's all about me? See, right after our passage in Luke 12, Jesus turns to his disciples. And this is not to the whole crowd. This is to that specific group. And, and here's what Jesus says, verse 22. Let's see it. Then Jesus said to his disciples, Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or, what your or about your body, what you will wear. For life is more than food and the body more than clothes. Consider the ravens. They do not sow or reap. They have no storeroom or barn, yet God feeds them. And how much more valuable you are than birds. Don't like birds? You're a flower person? Let's go to verse 27, okay? Consider how the wild flowers grow. They do not labor or spin, yet I tell you, not even Solomon in all of his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, how much more will he clothe you, you of little faith? And do not set your heart on what you will eat or drink. Do not worry about it, for the pagan world runs after such things. For the pagan world runs after such things. And your father knows that you need them. But seek his kingdom and these things will be given to you as well. Hear this, hear this. Do not be afraid, little flock, for your father has been pleased to give you the kingdom. Sell your possessions and give to the poor. Provide purses for yourselves that will not wear out, a treasure in heaven that will never fail, where no, where no thief comes near and no moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. That is the word of the Lord spoken by Jesus himself and these disciples 
these disciples that he was talking to, they were giving up their lives to follow Jesus. They were virtually homeless. They didn't know where their next meal was going to come from. They were worried. And Jesus tells them, don't worry, little flock. God is our provider and sustainer. He's the one that blesses. As it says in Scripture, every good and perfect gift comes from him, and in him we live, move, and have our being. He's the one that makes our barns bigger. He gives and he takes away as he sees fit. Our job is to be good stewards of what he has given us. See, serving others and sharing Jesus with others is a stewardship issue. It belongs to God. All of it is his. Our king has claim to the best things in my life. And our king has claim to the best things in your life. Even our lives itself. So we don't bury our talent in the ground and we don't hide our light under a bowl. Instead, we showcase our great God by using what we've been blessed with to bless others. They saw the treasure that Jesus was. They saw his great worth and they said, I'm, I'm willing to give it all because it's better. They were willing to put it all on the line for him. For where our treasure is, there our heart will be also. We are to store up treasures in heaven. Where is our king? Our king is in heaven, and so that's where our treasure is. We've been given so much. And yet, most of us use our blessings to make our lives more comfortable. I want to share an illustration with you that I was, I, I heard when I was in college. And it goes like this. So there's a, there's a line, okay, much like this line right here. And those of us who know about lines know that lines exist forever. It will go forever in that direction and it will go forever in that direction. This line is eternity. God is there. God is eternal. And at the same time, this line here is us as well. Because we know that a line has infinite points on it. Infinite points. And so you and I are a dot on this great timeline. See our happy little dot? Our happy little dot is right there. And so we have a little bit of time. Now this timeline is huge. It goes forever. But we have only what? 60, 70, 80, 90 years on earth if we're lucky. So, 
we can choose to put this dot on the timeline, which we already are. So uh, let's go ahead and put it on the timeline. This is what our dot looks like on the timeline. And yet, most of us think, well, I, I have value. I have great value. And nobody's saying you don't have value. Nobody's saying that. Nobody says that you're not worth something. But this is an eternal line. And my friends, we only have a limited amount of time on this earth. And so we can choose to invest in the happy little life, or we could be like, man, I, I care about the things I care about. I do the things I want to do. And so we have this warped perspective of this. Is, we say, this is what it looks like. This is how I think of my life. See me? I know you can't see my happy little dot, but that's, that's the timeline. That, right there, that's me. You and me and the 7.4 billion people are all on that timeline. All of us. And so we can choose, all 7.4 billion of us, we can choose to invest in our happy little dots. Or we can invest in things that are eternal. See, perhaps... Perhaps there is more to this life than waking up, going to school, waking up, going to work, slaving away, earn money, save money, make money, spend money, provide for my family, and then one day I won't. And then one day I won't wake up. Perhaps there is more to this life than just my happy little dot. And so my question is, will I today invest in my dot or invest in the line? Do I believe that Jesus is truly better than the gift? Because if I do, if I do, then I must invest in the line. If we believe that Jesus is better than life, then we show it with our actions by serving and sharing the gospel with others. I know. I know that this is hard. I know that some of you guys are wrestling, but God calls us to hard things, and it doesn't matter what your age is. We're usually cool with the come and the belong part, but when we get to the share part, that's usually when we check out. We're usually cool with come and belong, but share, mm, I don't know, it's too much. It's too much. But Jesus wants us to share. And maybe, maybe you're sitting here and you're like, I love to serve. This is right up my alley. I'm so glad to hear you say that. Do we love to serve everybody? Even that one person? I think you know. <laughs> I'm often like, I love to serve, but no thanks. I will serve anybody but them. See, the third thing I want us to see today is that serving others and sharing Jesus with others is about love. It's about love. 
It's a love issue. See, most people would agree that Jesus wants them to serve. Most people would agree that Jesus wants you to tell others about him. They just think that Jesus loves them enough that they don't have to. Maybe we think that Jesus loves us enough that we don't have to tell. He'll forgive me for not. He understands. John 14, 15. If you love me, keep my commands. John 14, 23. Anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. John 14, 24. Anyone who does not love me will not obey my teaching. Do we still agree that Jesus wants us to serve? Do we still agree that Jesus wants us to tell others about him? See, Jesus loves you and he wants you to share the gospel. He loves you and he wants you to tell others that he loves them. When did serving and telling others about Jesus become too much? Our loving God has sent me into the world with his love that I might on his behalf, use my words and my actions in such a way that all might know him. Let me say that again, okay? Our loving God has sent you and me into the world on his behalf to use our words and our actions in such a way that all might know him. That all might know him. There's a well-known pair of magicians. They're kind of like uh, comedic illusionists, if you will. Uh, their names are Penn and Teller. Anybody familiar with Penn and Teller? Excellent. Excellent. See, one is small, and he doesn't really speak. Uh, not, not usually. Like, he's not usually, like, the talker of the two. That's Teller, okay? And uh, he, there's another one who's, who's kind of a larger man, um, and uh, he talks all the time. He's the one that's very good with words. Uh, his name is Penn, okay? His full name is actually Penn Gillette. And uh, if you're not familiar with his act, you may recall uh, he did have a guest appearance on the TV show Friends. He was selling Joey encyclopedias. Um, but if you're not a Friends fan, that's cool. Just know that there's a guy and this is what he does, okay? This is his thing. Um, but... Either way, Penn and Teller are both proclaimed atheists. They do not believe in God. In fact, they do not believe there is a God. And they advocate for atheism. They advocate for uh, what they call skeptical science, free thinking, all of those things. They're all about it. Well, Penn shared a story a few years back of a show that he did. During the act, he, uh, they brought a man from the crowd onto the stage to assist them in this act. And, and apparently the act went well, all that, not a big deal. Uh, the man goes back into the crowd. Um, and uh, the next night after the show, Penn looks up and sees the man has returned. From the night before, he had returned the second night. And so when the man was waiting there to speak to Penn, and, and when he finally got the opportunity to speak to him, he complimented Penn on his 
use of language. Penn hasn't always been known for the cleanest language, but he's gotten better. And the man handed Penn Gillette this Gideon's New Testament. He said, I'm a Christian and I want to give you this. And so Penn later recalls this interaction in detail. And for the sake of time, I want you to hear a piece of what he says. Okay? So uh, take a look at the screen. This is Penn Gillette talking here. And I've always said, you know, that I, I don't respect people who don't proselytize. I don't respect that at all. If you believe that there's a heaven and hell and people could be going to hell or not getting eternal life or whatever, and you think that... Uh, well, it's not really worth telling them this because it would make it socially awkward. And atheists who think that people shouldn't proselytize, just leave me alone, keep your religion to yourself. Uh, how much do you have to hate somebody to not proselytize? How much do you have to hate somebody to believe that everlasting life is possible and not tell them that? I mean, if I believed beyond a shadow of a doubt that a truck was coming at you and you didn't believe it, that truck was bearing down on you, there's a certain point where I tackle you. And this is more important than that. And I've always thought that, and I've written about that, and I've thought of it conceptually. But this guy was a really good guy. He was polite and honest and sane, and he cared enough about me to proselytize and give me a, a Bible, which had written in it a little note to me, uh, not very personal, but just, you know, like your show and so on, and then like five phone numbers for him and an email address if I wanted to get in touch. Now, I know there's no God, and one polite person living his life right doesn't change that. Uh, but I'll tell you, he was a very, very, very good man. And... Uh, that's really important. And with that kind of goodness, uh, it's okay to have that deep of a disagreement. I still think that religion does a lot of bad stuff, but man, that was a good man who gave you that book. That's all I wanted to say. Most of us would never do what that man did. Come back another night. Wait to speak to the celebrity to go up to a well-known atheist, a well-spoken intellectual at that, and attempt to share the gospel with them. It's too scary. It's too awkward. I might look stupid. I might be embarrassed. From the mouth of an atheist, how much do you have to hate someone to not share Jesus with them? from the mouth of someone ideologically opposed to what we're doing here in this building this very day. He says he has no respect for those who don't share their faith with non-believers. And yet the majority of us probably wouldn't because we're afraid of losing respect in the eyes of our friends. We want to keep our relationships the way they are. We want to be respected. I mean, we would hate for someone to lose respect. And yet, this question still stands. How much 
do you have to hate someone to not share Jesus with them? How much do you have to hate someone to serve others but not them? Not that person. Jesus says in Luke chapter 5, he says, if you love those who love you, what credit is it that, what credit is that to you? Even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who are good to you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners do that. And if you lend to those from whom you expect repayment, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners expecting to be repaid in full. But love your enemies, do good to them, and lend to them without expecting to get anything back. Then your reward will be great, and you will be children of the Most High, because he is kind to the ungrateful and wicked. Be merciful just as your Father is merciful. We serve others and share Jesus with others because we are commanded to love others. We do it because we have a Lord and a master to whom we are accountable and who graciously entrusts us with good gifts to steward for his glory. And we do it because it's the natural byproduct of knowing Christ and being found in him. As the worship team comes, I'd like for us to each bow our heads and, and reflect together. See, serving others and sharing Jesus with others, those aren't spiritual gifts. They're not just for the extroverted, they're not just for the outgoing. They're not just for those with lots of friends, those with bigger bank accounts, those who don't have other things going on. All Christians are called to serve, both inside and outside the church. All Christians are commanded to share Jesus Christ with others. So I ask us this morning, what is it that keeps you from telling your friends, your neighbors, and your coworkers about Jesus? God wants you to boldly and courageously proclaim him. How might God be calling you to break down barriers? What is it that keeps us from serving regularly inside the church? I mean, how might life change if I was faithful to God first before other commitments? Commitments at work? Commitments at school, commitments in the community.
maybe we're here today and we're asking God to bless us, but how have we used what God has already given us? Why should God give us more if we haven't used it in the first place? Open hands, empty hands get filled. How is God calling us to empty ourselves today? Listen, as Jesus says, come, experience what I have for you. I will make you new, and you will have life, abundant life. Now give it away. Don't keep it to yourself. Give it away. Give your life away. It's okay. You can do it. Die to yourself. Take up your cross and follow me. It'll be okay. I'm here every step of the way. God, we thank you that you save sinners. We thank you that you have drawn us to yourself. God, I pray that this morning that we would come to agreement with you. That where we have rebelled in the past, that we would repent of that. Where we have sought to invest in our dot instead of the line, that we would turn from that. That we would trust you. That we would trust you with our lives. God, help us to see how you are eternal. How the people that you put in our lives have an eternal destiny. That your word will never, will never perish. God, we thank you for that great truth. I pray, God, that we would come to you this morning and respond with openness, with willingness. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Right now, we're going to have a time of response. The altar is open. We certainly hope that you will come and pray. If you'd like someone to talk with, there will be prayer counselors over here to speak with. But right now, let's respond to the Lord together. Please stand with me as we sing. Let's respond together.